Hello and welcome to the Career Speakeasy, a casual, fun, and irreverent place to share ideas about career development, the world of work, and life in general. I'm your host and proprietress, Kelly Nottingham. Growing your career should not be boring. So come on in, pull up a chair, and pick your poison. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 2022. Already, we're living in the future. I am so grateful to be finally getting back to podcasting after a pretty tumultuous start to the year. Now, it's nothing bad. It's just been a lot. So much, in fact, that I'm actually going to use myself as a cautionary tale example for our podcast episode today, because self-reflection is a good thing. But first, I have a big announcement. My new resume revamp course is now up and running. If you or a friend or family member needs help with writing or updating a resume, you may want to check out this self-paced online course. I designed it to walk you through the process of not only writing a powerful and influential resume, but also to help you understand some key insights about yourself that will help you in your job search, your interview, and beyond. There's even info about how the hiring process works behind the curtain at most companies. Honestly, anybody can download a resume template and put some job history info into it. That's really the easy part of the resume process. The truly hard part of writing a resume is getting crystal clear on your skills, your strengths, your proofs of your skills, and then building the case for yourself on paper that you're the right person for the job this course can help. Right now until March 1st, 2022, this course is available at a deeply discounted rate, only $27 for over two hours of self-paced online content, including bite-sized videos to walk you step-by-step through the resume writing process and a 14-page printable workbook. If you or a friend could benefit, sign up soon to take advantage of the special new year rate. The link to register is in the show notes. We're already a month into 2022. It's honestly hard to believe. This year, my content is going to be framed a bit differently than in the past. For this year, I've built what we in the training world call a competency model. Mine is comprised of 12 different skill areas that, if we become proficient in these skills, can lead us to tremendous career and professional success. Each month, the podcast will focus its episodes on one of these competency areas. So one episode of the month will be internally focused, how we can learn more about that skill area and our own ability to use that skill. And then the other episode will be more externally focused. How can we take that skill into our work, into our relationships, and how can we more fully build that skill into our lives? All of my social media content, the articles I'm writing, and new online course content will be built around these same competencies. So why am I approaching it this way? Because we humans learn best in patterns. Our brains naturally love to find patterns in our world, even honestly when the patterns aren't there. So if I can provide a pattern for you, a system, if you will, then hopefully you'll find it easier and more enjoyable to implement the lessons in these podcast episodes and see how they all tie together for your ultimate success. And as always, I am open to your feedback. So if you love this idea or hate it, let me know. Our first competency for the year is self-awareness 
and relationship management. Now, this episode specifically is focused on the internal side, self-awareness and self-management. So why am I starting off with this topic? Well, if we aren't willing or able to actually see and understand ourselves, we have very little chance of improving in any of the other competency areas we'll be discussing throughout the year. By understanding our mental and emotional triggers, our reactions, and our resulting behaviors, we can learn to modify and manage them to put us in control of ourselves much more effectively. So have you ever had someone in your life who had absolutely zero self-awareness? It's painful to be around this kind of person. Most of the time, they go through life like a massive human wrecking ball, just constantly causing issues for other people and for themselves, constantly causing drama, constantly bringing other people's lives to a halt so that their own issues can get solved. Or at least their issues can get attention paid to them. Usually the problems don't end up getting solved because frankly, these people are most of the time not willing or able to put in the work to identify their own internal patterns, the self-awareness, or to take action to solve the problems going on in their lives. That's the self-management. So what is self-awareness? Self-awareness is being able to look at yourself with a discerning eye. It's examining how we go through our lives from an unbiased, third-party kind of perspective, looking at our emotional patterns, our thought patterns, our behavioral patterns, our skill levels, and the cause and effect in our lives. Self-awareness isn't the same as feeling our emotions or being in our own heads all the time. It's recognizing our triggers for certain emotions or thoughts or behaviors, and then looking at our responses to those thoughts or emotions that pop up or situations that we may be in to start recognizing the patterns within ourselves. It's being able to clearly see objectively what our internal landscape is. A lot of you have heard me talk about looking at ourselves like watching ourselves in a movie, like a documentary, or you can think of a science experiment or a behavioral psychology experiment. We look at ourselves objectively to say, what pushes my buttons and how do I react when those buttons are pushed? What thoughts are going through my head? What emotions come out? Or when do I feel happiness? What am I doing? How am I talking to myself? It's also paying attention to how we move through those patterns of thoughts, emotions, and reactionary behaviors. I mean, we don't stay mad forever when someone cuts us off in traffic, right? So what does it take for us to move through that emotional or behavioral pattern? How do we end up eventually not mad after someone cuts us off in traffic? It's also understanding how we learn new skills easily, how we respond when we struggle to do something what process we do to succeed, and how we respond to failure. So self-awareness is made up of the natural states that occur within us and the resolution of the states, how we interact with the world around us in good times and bad. Self-management builds on our self-awareness by helping us have more intentional control over our thoughts, emotions, and reactionary behaviors. 
It's understanding how to regulate ourselves based on what seems to work best for us so that we're responding to the world in the way we want to respond. We're not just being carried away by the tide of our anger or our overwhelm. Self-management requires us to understand how we get better at relationships, at learning new things, and how we respond to obstacles that get in our way. Now, self-awareness is required for this because if we're trying to go somewhere, but we don't know where we currently are, it's like trying to take a trip where we're already lost. We open up a navigation app on our phones, or if you're old school, you pull out an atlas or a map. We look for the location where we want to be, and the app says, well, where are you right now? It automatically searches for our current location before it can give us directions. So until we know where we are, we can't figure out how to get to where we want to go. Let's pick a city. Uh, Let's say Cairo, Egypt. Cairo is on my bucket list. The steps to get to Cairo will look very different if we're currently in Madrid, Spain versus currently in Ottawa, Canada. Our career development works exactly the same way. We have to understand where we are. We have to understand our current state to be able to understand how to get to our desired future state. The reason that I want to put self-awareness and self-management at the very beginning of my competency model is because if we have no self-awareness as to our internal workings, our behavior, and our skill levels, we have no way of building out a plan to get ourselves where we want to be. And if we have no way to effectively manage ourselves through good times or bad, we're never going to be as successful as we could be. Until we can control our minds, our emotions, our reactions, and our behaviors, we're going to find it much harder to develop the skills that we're trying to develop going forward. So as an example, if we say to ourselves, I want to become really proficient at presenting ideas to leadership, and we've literally never presented anything to anybody before. We've avoided it maybe, or we just haven't had the opportunity to do it. We have no way of knowing where to even begin to build that skill set. We have to understand our starting point to be able to determine our path forward. This is why with a lot of the training programs that I design, everybody starts by doing some kind of self-assessment. That way you know where you are, you can decide where you want to go, and you can create a plan to get there. It all starts with self-awareness. Now, when we look at the rest of our competencies throughout the year, we're going to be talking a lot about specific tactical skill sets. But those skill sets are completely dependent on our mindsets, our emotional states, our behaviors, our reactions. All of those things play into every single competency that we have moving forward. So that's why it's so important to understand this at the beginning. When we're looking at skill development and we don't have enough self-awareness to say, hmm, it takes me longer to learn things than other people. Or we have a mindset that it's going to be difficult for us to learn something new and we get emotionally frustrated if we don't pick up on stuff very quickly. Well, that affects how effectively we move forward, doesn't it? If we get frustrated because of our mindsets and our beliefs and our emotional states and we walk away or avoid the situation instead of learning from it, we're sabotaging our own success. 
Now, in the belly dance classes that I teach, I've had new students who look at the situation of learning a new dance as an exciting new adventure. And they would say things to me like, I have absolutely no rhythm whatsoever, but I think this will be really fun and I'm excited to try. Meanwhile, another student comes in who says, I'm also excited to try, but their mindset coming in is, I have to do this right immediately. I have to be good immediately. And if I don't look like somebody who's been dancing for 15 years within the first 10 minutes of class, I'm going to get angry with myself and I'm going to start berating myself and scowling and huffing and rolling my eyes. And I might not even come back for a second class. Dance teachers, any kind of teachers out there, have you had this student in your classes? The success levels of these two students are drastically different. First, their own internal sense of success is going to give them their own sense of reward or enjoyment out of the class. They're going to be experiencing their own level of success much, much differently. But even from the outside looking in, looking literally just at their dance skill, students who approach dance from a perspective of, I am excited to learn something new and this is going to be interesting to learn and I have the ability to laugh at myself when things don't go well. Well, they do significantly better at a much faster pace than students who immediately expect to be very, very good and are holding themselves to this impossibly high standard. The same works for any kind of career development skill. I've seen so many professional people who struggle with their emotional states. They get angry and allow that anger to show up at work with no recognition that they could diffuse the anger before it turns into negative behaviors. Or they don't clearly see the patterns of thought that happen when they're dealing with a crisis. Let's say they tend to jump to conclusions immediately upon hearing negative news. And those thought patterns put them on autopilot. They respond according to the conclusions that their brain jumped to without even realizing that maybe they need to slow down their brains, recognize that they tend to jump to conclusions and slow down so they can make better decisions. So here is where my personal example comes in. As many of you probably know, especially if you follow me on social media anywhere, that a couple of years ago, actually right before COVID hit in January 2020, we moved into a rural property, a little farmhouse that we had bought surrounded by woods and about an hour and a half away from all of our family and friends who live in the nearest big city. I love so many things about living out in the country. I have a big vegetable garden out here. We get wildlife like deer and rabbits coming around. And the big barred owls are setting up their annual nest in the huge live oak tree outside of my office right now. We've spent time fixing up this house and making it into a cozy home. At the very end of 2021, my husband decided that he wants to move back into the city to be closer to his family. We talked about it. He gets super excited and starts looking for houses for sale. I, meanwhile, am panicking. He reaches out to a mortgage company, starts the loan process, gets in touch with our realtor friend, and the hunt for a house begins. I am still panicking. Now, here's the thing. I've always prided myself on being awesome at change. I love change. Change is exciting. But when he first started talking about moving back into the suburbs, I froze up. Out loud, I agreed with him. There were definite pros to moving 
and cons to staying. But deep down inside, I was terrified and extremely resistant to the idea. Like I was literally crying over it. I was losing sleep. When my husband asked me what was going on, I told him I was just having a little bit of internal resistance to moving. This was not a little bit of resistance. This was full stop. I don't want to do this. For the first week, I just sat in complete no mode. My brain was running 100 miles an hour down the I don't want to move road. And my emotional state was 100% going wherever it wanted to go. Self-awareness, zip. Self-management, zero. And everybody was suffering because of it. My husband was confused and not sure how to move forward. I mean, he didn't want to drag me somewhere I didn't want to be, but I was verbally agreeing to go. So yeah, it was miserable. I wasn't able to work. The podcast, not happening. I'd sit down to write and words would not come out of my brain. I tried and tried and tried and then beat myself up for not getting any episodes up. And the downward spiral continued. So one day I went for a little drive and had a long talk with myself because this couldn't continue. I started by asking myself what I was afraid of losing. Two big items jumped out. I would miss being this close to nature. And I would have to deal with losing that part of my identity that liked living outside of town. I was now the gal who lives in rubber boots and has a big vegetable garden and does archery for fun and lives this romanticized, ideal country life. I then asked myself whether I would actually have to give that up. Like, is there a way to work around this obstacle? In part, yeah, of course living in town would prevent me from hiking in the woods every day, but would there be a way to get around these two big losses? Answer, yes. My husband and I talked, and he had never planned on selling our little farmhouse. We would still have it as a getaway. I wouldn't lose what I was afraid of losing. Once I realized that I wouldn't have to give up what I cherished, the transition in thinking became so much easier. Next up was writing my pros list. What would be the positives of being in town? Well, as an extremely extroverted person, it would be nice to have conversations with other people more than one time a week during my grocery shopping trip, which is my current situation. We'd be closer to family and friends, closer to our hobbies, closer to my consulting clients. We could actually get food delivered to our house. What? It took about a week of conversations with myself, my husband, and several trusted good friends to get me to a much better place mentally and emotionally, but it all started with self-awareness. So what did I learn? First, I learned that sometimes I have to physically take myself out of an environment if I'm in that downward spiral, even if it's literally getting in my car and driving down the road. Next, I learned my husband and I make decisions at different speeds. I like to chew on all the possible negative outcomes before I jump into something. It takes me a few days to process big changes. I need to kind of kick the tires a little before I'm ready to buy the car. Also, when I'm in panic mode, I find it very hard to work. Now, none of those are necessarily bad or negative things. But without acknowledging those triggers, the mindsets, beliefs, and emotions, it's hard for me to get done what I need to get done. 
But it was a painful moment of realization because I've always prided myself on being a person who adapts well to change and who runs forward into change and is excited about it. It was hard for me to realize that that's not necessarily the truth. It's not a criticism of me. It's not anything wrong with me that I deal with change this way. But the awareness that this is the way I naturally deal with it gives me the opportunity to change up my approach to change, to switch up the way I deal with new situations as they come up. Now that I know how I tend to handle changes that come up quickly, I can move through the process of awareness and into managing those emotional triggers, those mental processes, and those behavioral reactions that I have much, much more effectively. And I'm going to need them because we are in the process of buying a home that's a little bit of a fixer-upper. Lots to do and lots of change coming. And hopefully now I'm better prepared for what's to come. Self-awareness is knowing who we are, who we want to be. It's all about knowing our strengths and our weaknesses, our limitations, where we feel comfortable, what scares us or intimidates us, what excites us and energizes us what angers us or frustrates us or makes us sad or makes us content in life. And self-awareness goes beyond just knowing or recognizing what we see when we reflect on ourselves. We also have to accept that we have the ability to actually change ourselves and get better. It's a willingness to recognize our own imperfections and to have both enough humility and openness to attempt to do better. It's a willingness to analyze how we come across to others and not blame them for their perceptions of us. Self-management is acting in alignment with our values. It's controlling our emotional reactions and our mindset before they control us. It's creating a version of ourselves where we are in control. And that's not always a fun process. Maybe it's realizing we retaliate against people who give us feedback. Maybe we ignore them or snap at them or attempt to manipulate them through anger or tears. Maybe we immediately dismiss feedback as useless because we automatically think that the other person is wrong and we don't allow ourselves to even question if there might be a grain of truth to it. Maybe we avoid putting ourselves in situations where we might fail, especially publicly or in front of other people. We may be overly self-critical. When we immediately throw up a wall of self-directed criticism, we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to admit that we have the ability to do better. That hammering on ourselves becomes its own kind of defense mechanism designed to keep us from actually having to try to solve anything. But the great thing about self-awareness and self-management is that once we become willing to hold up a mirror to ourselves and then take action to monitor ourselves, to reflect, and to make different choices in our mindsets, our beliefs, our self-talk, and our behaviors, we can make massive changes in our lives. Now it's time for last call. Over the next week, I would like for you to pay conscious attention to your moods, your mindset, and your resulting behaviors. Specifically, I want you to catch yourself in three different states. Number one, happy and optimistic. Number two, frustrated or angry. Number three, motivated and driven. And I'd like for you to ask yourself these questions. 
what triggered this current state? What am I telling myself about the situation? What do I have to believe about myself to keep myself in this state? How is it affecting my behaviors? How can I either keep the state going if it's a good one or move myself out of it if it's detrimental? Now, I'd like to leave you with one final little thought before we end this episode. Each year, I like to pick a theme for the year. And this year, the theme I chose is relentlessly consistent. Now, you may be laughing because, yeah, it's already February when I'm recording my first January episode, and I am now officially way behind at the very first part of the year. My goal to be relentlessly consistent got thrown completely sideways because of all of these drastic lifestyle changes that we're in the process of going through. And yes, I totally see the irony in saying I want to be relentlessly consistent on January 1st, and I'm already way not consistent. At this point, it just makes me laugh. Like, what else can you do? But I did want to tell you that this is something that I'm working on and something that I've realized about myself, that when I have a lot going on, my creativity suffers. And when my creativity suffers, I have a hard time putting together content. So this is a new area of self-awareness and self-management that I am really working on right now. It's my promise to you that I will continue to just pick myself up, dust myself off, and work towards being relentlessly consistent for the rest of the year. I guess I'm being consistent in trying to be consistent. So just be aware that there will be a second episode on this competency. I'm actually already working on it, even though I'm a bit behind schedule. That's okay. We're all trying to do better, right? So please forgive me for the delay in getting this episode out to you. This is my own work on my own self-management. I will talk to you all soon. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. If the pandemic lockdown has made you aware of some major changes you want to make in your career or life, I can help. Maybe you realize you hate your current job or that you're holding yourself back from making a big life change that deep down you really want. Now is the time to start building momentum for the future. I've spent my career in professional development and training at Fortune 100 companies, leading training initiatives and coaching people from frontline employees to executive level leaders to improve their relationship to their work, their colleagues, and themselves. If you think some non-judgmental support and gentle nudging would help to get you going, give me a call to discuss one-on-one coaching and consulting. If your organization or company is ready for an injection of new ideas, energy, and practical tools to improve company culture and efficiency, let's chat. I have off-the-shelf workshops ready to bring to your organization on topics like effective communication, change management, presentation skills, and a suite of leadership development workshops, just to name a few. Custom workshops are also an option. For a 30-minute complimentary consultation, email me at kelly.nottingham at gmail.com, go to kellynottingham.com, or reach out to me on LinkedIn or via the links in the podcast notes so we can see if I'm a good fit for your needs. Well, thanks for joining me. If you have suggestions, feedback, or just something random you want to share, email me at careerspeakeasy at gmail.com and come visit again soon. Cheers.